everybody out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes into the places, people, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, my name is Mac, and I'm joined by my other hunk of dynamite, Ross. Mac, it is great to be here tonight. I do appreciate being called a hunk of dynamite. Yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah, um, no, it's What is one. the Star Wars equivalent to dynamite? Um, I want to say that there's an explosive called Plastec. Something like that. There's definitely a C4 of Star Wars. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if there's a dynamite. Is there something like Syntec? Simtech? Syntech? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we are, well, this is what happens when we try and do random a, stuff off the cuff. Look forward to a future Star Wars in when Mac finally gets to take over and do materials. And we'll talk about explosives in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> what can blow up permacrete? Mac what can blow has up been, steel? Yes, Mac has been waiting to talk about Dunium yes! for like a year now. <laughs> So. And, and you know what? The saber materials in Fallen Order have made me really into yeah, Star Wars every material. single one of those is 100% canon it's now, totally. whether it was before or not. Uh, it's going to be fun. But that is not what we're talking about no, today. No, tonight we're talking about something a little bit different. Mac, we are going to start off by talking about... What do we talk about first? I don't even remember. Well, the thing about it is we are finally going to start breaking down. As you've heard, if you've been listening to us, the big concepts, like the big Carillion concepts, we're breaking them down into smaller sections. So now we're going to start our first tentative steps into talking about the nature of the Force by exploring one of the first Force powers we were shown, which is the Force Pool. Yes. First demonstrated by Luke Skywalker in 1980 in uh, the ice caves on the ice planet of Hoth, the Wampa's Lair. Uh, Yeah, it's a big moment because it kind of saves his skin. It is. And then it comes back thematically on oddly large number of times after that who knew yeah and we're gonna go to all of that we're gonna probably spend um i think this will be a shorter episode so probably maybe 15 20 minutes on that and then we're also going to talk about echo base definitely yep. gonna log at least 20 minutes of talking about the the probably the biggest installation we see the rebels build in film and so, i think one of fan favorites oh yeah i mean i think we all love echo base it's such a cool place it is yeah. cool is the right way to describe it <laughs> oh because cool, it's cold because because oh no nice i got planet. it i yeah, got okay. it i'm yeah. sure you'll make that joke at least another time and speaking of people that make bad jokes and may not be great people scout troopers is what we'll wrap yeah. up tonight. do they suck do they not uh, we're gonna we'll find out together yeah, uh, maybe and they again, might that'll probably be another 15 20 minutes so um stick around we've got some fun ones here we're definitely a little loose and punchy so it's gonna be a good episode it is come back after the break when we talk about force pool It's just a little 
Come, stretch. No, I just, I'm just, I'm reach, reach out. Hold Touch on. It. I'll, I'll close my eyes and think about it. It's really hard to do this upside down. Yeah. Uh, also, it's frozen, so that doesn't help. How did it get frozen so fast? Actually, how did he freeze me to the ceiling by my feet? You know, I've always wondered that. I assume that, like, the Wampa's breath is like frost. I mean, Superstar, Super Empire Strikes Back told me that, but that was a video game, so it wasn't really. Yeah. Okay, I don't have force power, so I can't I can't get that from across the room. Can you toss that to me? Yeah, sure. Here. Okay, good. Didn't catch the business end. That's good. Yeah, you got to be careful when you're throwing your saber around. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. Well, Mac, tell me about how you could go ahead and get that lightsaber. Well, if I had force powers, perhaps I could use the telekinetic ability of force pool. Oh, force pool. What can you tell me about force pool? Well, this is just going to be starting a series of exploring force powers. Now, the, the broader thing here is telekinesis, the idea of through your mind or your connection to the force or your connection to all things, you can draw things towards you, which is the first example of force telekinesis we saw in the in uh, in Star Wars. Hmm. Okay. First one ever, huh? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I was just saying, missing anything. Because when you look at like New Hope, most yeah. of our manifestations of the Force is more connective, a feeling, yeah, an instinct. What we, what we call when we get nerdy is sense abilities. Yeah. Because in okay, so in Star Wars, when we usually talk about Force abilities, I think this started with the role playing games, but I'm pretty sure it's been codified into like the Jedi Code and some of the other books and stuff. Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. there's three types of Force powers: sense control and alter and we only saw sense in new hope you know it's things of like run luke run the force will be with you always you know this idea of feeling the universe around you and having extrasensory perception of different things going on you know luke doesn't need his targeting computer he's just gonna feel how that uh, proton torpedo needs to go in yeah and once we open up empire we see luke with apparently Wampa Frostbeth yeah. that has frozen him to the top of this cave. Yeah. Hanging upside down, looking at his yeah. lightsaber, which is just in a pile of slush, and him going, Ugh, I can't reach it. I'm just, I'm so close. But wait a minute. What if I used a force power that's never been seen before? <gasps> Whoa. So, okay. You know, watching <laughs> Empire for the first time, are you expecting Luke to reach out and just like stretch? Like maybe Mr. Fantastic his way to the lightsaber? Well, the Force would be a much different thing if that uh, was the case. That would be a little weird, right? Oh, I do want to point out one other thing. There yeah. is one concrete thing we see a little bit in A New Hope from the Force, and that would be the Jedi mind trick. Oh, that's true. That would be the one yeah. that I think goes against what you're saying. But otherwise, well, I that's that more was in the alter. You're altering how someone's brain yeah. is, think, is working. No, I thought yeah. that was very interesting, right, though. though. I you're just wanted right. to point that one out because it came to mind. Yeah, because that is that's affecting someone. That's not just sensing their thoughts. That's changing their thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Huh. Uh, but yeah, we have the force pull. Yep. So the force pull we have with Luke trying to reach out, grab the lightsaber. And, you know, the first time you see it, it's brand new, right? The mm -hmm. first time Luke does it, we've never seen it before on film. And how did you react, Mac? You know, when you saw that, when you saw that lightsaber fly into his hand and all of a sudden the music picks up, he's cutting his feet out, the Wampa's charging him or sort of 
implied to be charging him depending on which version you're watching. <laughs> well, I think the thing about it is I think it was really, really cool because it extends the force to being something that can affect the physical world. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it opens up a whole other realm of possibilities that I don't think we would have considered before. No, and it starts taking us well into the territory of space wizards as we yeah. go from... Because even with you commenting, you're right. I, I didn't think about the fact that Obi-Wan Kenobi is, is you know, forcing his will over these stormtroopers. But it's still in the mind. It's right. still perception. It's still, like, he's changing the perception of how the, the stormtroopers look at it. It's like, oh, those aren't the droids we're looking for. Like, I, I'm seeing something different here that wasn't there. Yeah. This starts the idea of, like, no, I can freaking grab stuff with my mind. <laughs> and we see it. What's cool about it, I mean, it's great to see Luke being the first one to do it. But we see other manifestations of it in this film. So uh, Yoda lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp, right? Yep. Uh, and then Luke, of course, attempting to do the same thing before that. On Bespin, we see Vader sort of more by motioning his lightsaber, but yeah. chunks of debris flying off of the wall. We also see him flip the switch of the carbon freezing chamber, you know, with sort and, of the don't opposite. You th don't you think that the, that's kind of one of these that great build of this stuff is we see, you know, yeah, Yoda's lifting it and he's reminding Luke that like, yeah, you thought the lightsaber was hard to grab. Nothing's hard to grab. It's all in your mind. Yeah. Kid. Like, cause he's still thinking of things as weight rather yeah. than just objects. Yeah. And I like that Vader shows that not only is he a master of the lightsaber, he's a master of the force because of how effortless, like we, we saw Yoda struggle to move this X-wing and admittedly Vader's not throwing anything around that heavy, but He's barely gesturing like when they're in the cloud city, yeah. the one uh, hallway where Vader's just he almost like just puts his lightsaber in front of him and just like just keeps letting things flow past yeah. him and just bash Luke on the head and on the shoulder. And it just shows how powerful he is as a dark Jedi mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. well as a swordsman. Yeah. I love it that we saw that force power expand and grow just in that one film i mean obviously yeah. in the prequels then we get the push and you know all these other things that go along with it but in that movie we just see that telekinesis used so in, in so many different ways i mean luke is you know at one point levitating rocks and stacking them while he's doing a handstand balancing r2 on you know yeah he, he's using that same power but in different ways and i really like that aspect of it. Yeah. And I think um, one of the interesting, we, we, we were talking about this kind of came up as a topic. Um, Cause one, how do we tackle the force and break it down into bite-sized chunks? Yeah. And then two, we were talking about like, you know, when Kylo Ren stops that blaster bolt bolt in the beginning yeah. of seven, we're yeah. like, is this what people felt like in 80 when Luke can grab stuff with his mind? This is brand new. You didn't know he could do this. And Oh my gosh, what does this mean? He can do now. He's that's, that's a whole new landscape of power that we didn't have before. Yeah. Who is this kid? <laughs> that moment is, I think, maybe my favorite moment in that film. That that just because we're opening up this new Star Wars after 10 years, and he's stopping that blast with his mind. And it is the same, I mean, the same concept as we're talking about here with the pool. It's just using your mind to manipulate a physical object. Right. Uh, now, we see a couple of other interesting force 
pulls. Uh, I think what's interesting is Return of the Jedi also opens up with a force pull with Luke when he tries to grab the blaster from the guard in Jabba's palace. Uh, that's true. Right? Yep. And he's so confident and it flies to his hands so quick. It's this, you know, fast motion. Practicing. Yeah. He's been I, practicing. It's nice to kind of open up two films with that. And then, of course, we get into the prequels and, you know, people are pulling stuff all over the place, pushing stuff all over the place. And he, we see a whole new level of mastery. And to be honest, yeah. specifically the pull, the quickly moving something towards you, yeah. we mostly see as flipping switches and also grabbing our lightsabers. Apparently, Jedi, this is one of the first things they learn is when you drop your lightsaber, force pull it towards you because <laughs> yeah. stop dropping your lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, you're, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. And I, there's so many things based around that force pool. And now we've seen it implemented in multiple ways. I mean, yeah. some of the biggest moments I can think of offhand from recently, yeah. uh, we have, you know, Vader pulling the weapons out of the troopers hands yep. in uh, rogue one that, you know, a lot of people go crazy for. Um, we've got uh, obviously the big moment of Kylo attempting to pull the Skywalker saber to him mm-hmm. and then it flying past him and going to Ray, uh, you know, having that moment for her too, where we realize, Oh, you know, she is, beginning to use these powers the same way Luke was on Hoth. Yeah. And so then we, I mean, obviously video games explore this because when you talk about any kind of powers and categorizing them, that's, this is where video games come in. So whether it's, (laughs) Um, things like uh, we've seen like grabbing items in like Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 or whether how many incredibly large objects were yanked around in like the Force Unleashed um, or recently with Fallen Order like grabbing vines and pulling to them and basically allowing yeah. that to have more momentum to swing than you normally would be able to. Um, but one of the things I think of that I think Force Pool sort of got a showcase in the last uh, movie in Rise of Skywalker is seeing something I'd seen in video games a lot, but it was cool to finally see it in like in the movies of here's this shuttle trying to lift off and Ray oh, and yeah. Kylo Ren are in this clash of pulling it their way. It's a literal tug of war yeah. with the Force. This is a silly distinction, but is Kylo pulling it his way or trying to push it? Oh, I don't know. I guess the way it just whinnied and whined, yeah. I just assumed it was like, again, it's like two imaginary ropes got yanked onto yeah. it and they're both yanking it their own way. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a perfectly fair way to look at it. I definitely don't think there's a right or wrong answer. You know, it's funny. You brought up Rise of Skywalker, and I thought you were going to say this other point that I was thinking of oh. at the very beginning of the film mm-hmm. when Kylo is fighting. Uh, I can't remember the name of that species now, but they're like uh, Vader worshippers, essentially. Oh, the ones, uh, the ones that are on, on Mustafa. So far, yeah. yeah, he pulls one towards him in the air and like, and you know, slashes, slashes him out of the air. Yeah, uh, you know, it. it those moments are, are great. You know, um, I like in uh, Rogue One as well when Vader pins the guy to the ceiling. Yeah, you know, with the force flick up. Uh, that's you know, it's yeah, all the we same see, thing. You know what? Here, really. And we see and we see in 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 Rise the same idea of like. Um, when the one uh, guy is going like, well, what's the emperor going to ask in return? Can we trust? Thwamp. Just gets whipped to the... I, I guess, I, I guess yeah. the way I look at it is like, when I think of push and pull, I think of pull as um, if it feels like a rope grabs someone and yanked them, mm-hmm. it's pull. Yeah. Regardless of the direction. Yeah. It's push if it looks like someone just got hit with an air cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's a good way to describe it because really push... 
we didn't see until episode one, right? right? Pushing battle droids over. Correct. That was the first time we saw that in any sort of meaningful way, I think, right? And like I said, they played around with it in video games because it's an obvious, yeah. like, reverse of pull is... Mm-hmm. But we never thought of it as, like, again, these shock waves being sent yeah. out in front of you. Well, we'll get to push eventually. Yeah, but we'll like, talk about that. Um, I, again, I think the interesting thing about pull is it's something that is, again... Just amazing to remember that at one point that was new. Mm-hmm. That, Every force power is new until it's not. Right. Anytime anyone has a uh, you know any sort of criticism of a new force power, I mean, it's new until it's not. Right. Um, there's one other moment of the force pull that I think is interesting that mm-hmm. I think we should talk about, uh, and that is in the Last Jedi. When Leia is out in space after the bridge of the Radis has been attacked by the First Order TIE Fighter, okay. and she's floating out in space. Now, she has that position of sort of hand raised, right? Right. In my mind, she's pulling herself back to the ship. Okay. So, you know, we've seen pull as the ability to move an object into the air towards us. But what about pulling yourself towards another object. Hmm. Can we still call that the force pull? It's not a push, I wouldn't say. Again, I would I would go back to my definition of did an invisible rope grab it and and get shortened? Like did it get reeled in towards something? I would say yes, but the problem is normally it's the object coming to the person. This time it's the person going towards the object. I generally call it pull when you're pulling those like vines to you in like fallen order. And mm-hmm. I feel that's kind of similar. I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting, yeah, to, it, you know, it's a, is, is it one you had thought about? I mean, what force power is that if she's getting herself to the ship? Um, Force flight? Well, force floats again. I would say it's pull. My my feeling is that she's 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 focusing her energy on like the door, for instance, Mm -hmm. and just again mentally reeling herself in towards it. Oh, I agree. Grappling hook. I agree. I think we're on the same page. But 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 I get what you're saying is the implication is could I eventually go to like look at a high wall and just force pull myself to the top of that wall, or does this only work because she's in zero g? Well. That's an interesting question itself because we see Ray float, but yet later she's not able to float slash fly up the Death Star. She has to climb it. Yeah. So maybe it's like as high as you can jump type of thing. Oh, it could be. Yeah, because well, <laughs> we see Luke no, floating no, too at no, the but, end of the Last Jedi. But but you do get a good point. Like generally, when we see Jedi's doing those floating maneuvers, right? Unless they're on a repulsor craft like Yoda, generally they are within the range of probably like you said it's like they jumped and then didn't fall yeah um or in the case of luke like he's hovering but not only a couple inches it's yeah. not some luke ridiculous is flight very very close to the ground compared to ray if you're comparing the end of yeah. the last jedi and like you said i could see the way that she she what's a good dismounts from that that position yeah she does <laughs> C- kind of makes me go of like well maybe she backflipped into it as well as backflips yeah. out of it yeah, I mean, we know Jedi can jump high per episode one. That's true. And other. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, no, it, huh, huh. You're thinking really about th- it now. Yeah, no, I didn't really think of that yeah. we were going to, like, I'm like, well, we're not going to really talk about pushing this one, but I'm like, 
Yeah, where does it end? Where does this telekinesis uh-huh. like get defined? So we also have another one I'll talk about while we're, while you're thinking about it is sure. uh, Dooku pulling the ceiling out of that where that battle is between him and Obi-Wan and Yoda and Anakin. Yeah. At the end of episode two, you know, he's basically pulling the ceiling down. Oh, how about another famous uh, force pull? Kylo, coll- or sorry, Ben collapsing the hut on Luke. Yep. That's a big force pull now. I think that kind of rending of uh, item or object, I think, is definitely something that flows through. I mean, that's kind of what Dooku does when he just, like, rips those tanks and chucks them at uh, at Yoda, is sort of yeah. just ripping them from the wall. Um, yeah. Well, what Vader does in Empire. Well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's basically what he did in... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, that still seems, again, like tying these invisible, like, self-collapsing threads to things. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, no, no, no. I, I'm just restating it yeah. so I keep my own definition <laughs> consistent. Um, but again, for the most part, it's grabbing lightsabers. I mean, that's how the Battle I mean, of Geonosis starts is some, yeah. someone has like a box of lightsabers yeah. and all these years are just yanking them to them. Yeah, they've got like these empty husks. Oh, you know what? We missed one other incredibly important force pool. And that is the the real, in my opinion, the real pull between Rey and Kylo is the mm. saber. Oh my gosh, yes, of course. In Snoke's throne room. Of course. The the pull that ends in two halves. Yeah, where they are stressing the heck out. <laughs> yeah. That is such an interesting moment in that film. I didn't realize that that, that shuttle's like basically a callback to that. It kind of is, right? Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. It's yeah. interesting that in that film, in The Last Jedi, that when the saber splits... Yeah. That symbolically they don't each end up with half a piece. I mean, I get you want Ray to have the Skywalker saber to use, but I'm very surprised that Kylo well, didn't end up with half and Ray didn't end up I with half. I think that's more of another one of those, like, deciding to pick up a thread or not pick up a thread. Yeah. The thread we picked up was Ray has half of it and she put, oh, well, no, she ends up with both halves at the very end. She has both halves. Yeah. That's right. That is kind of weird. But then again, it what, just what would Kylo do with it with such a cool, marketable, three-bladed lightsaber? Yeah, fair. Fair. Not saying it's bad or I don't like it. I just That's one thing that I keep thinking about when I think about The Last Jedi is symbolically, Ryan did such a great job of their two halves of a whole, basically. It, that just seemed like a weird choice to split it and then her get both pieces. Well, my thing with the both pieces is I feel... Well, we're just complete speculation. I'm yeah. just going to finish the thought with with my guess is if if I was writing it directly after Last Jedi, I would say she takes those pieces to make her own lightsaber. That it wouldn't be just fixing that one. That's fair, and that's why you'd have both pieces so that she, you you don't have to think about well, how did she have all the components for a new lightsaber? Yeah, I mean we didn't ask that in '83, but we would ask yeah. it here in 2019. We definitely would have. Well, 2020. <laughs> So, you know, one little last little thought since I brought us onto this topic yeah. uh, so unceremoniously is that, you know, there is another way to look at that lightsaber. I mean, I know it's very much built up two halves of a whole, and then obviously there's a sort of a payoff for that in the next film. Right. But the broken saber, I think, can also represent her failure in the film of, no, I can bring Ben back. I can get him to turn. Uh, and the saber is okay. kind of representing her failure there. So I think you can look at it that way, too. I- and you the know, last symbolic thing about it, it, but I think it's interesting. Well, I think the last symbolic thing about it is Ray won that force pool. At the end I of mean, the day, I think that she was conscious. She's, I, you're right. Yeah, that, that you're she, right. She, she kind of won, and she took her yeah. lightsaber and went home. Well, Palpatines have always been stronger than Skywalkers. Ugh. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm just starting to get used to that newness. I, I'm just, I so. We're going to do, like, in a couple of months, after it's out on home video, we're going to do some interesting episodes on, like, Ray's arc through the three films. 
and we're going to see what straws we can grasp at. I'm excited. We will be. <laughs> it will be that. Well, All right. <laughs> until then, let's yeah. pull ourselves into another. Yeah, topic. we're going to talk about some Echo Base next. Let's do it. Star Wars is for everyone. Every day, we have the ability and opportunity to create a more accepting world by actively coming together and living inclusively. Whether it's the galaxy far, far away or right here at home, there's always a chance to do even small things to include other people, let them know that they're loved. Just regardless of the differences we have between us, what makes us in common is far more important. Yeah, Star Wars loves and accepts all, and it's always been about that. And here we are in 2020, Star Wars more inclusive than ever. I can't tell you how many different people from different walks of life, different ability levels, different races, creeds, genders, that were all together at Star Wars Celebration to celebrate the things we love. Sometimes it feels like you're fighting against the Empire when you're trying to champion what's right. But remember, it takes all of us to fight an Empire. So join us and everyone else in the galaxy and learn how you can come together at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Mac, do you know how cold it is on Hoth? I think it's, I think it's pretty darn cold. Cold enough to freeze a tauntaun. Yeah, I mean, it will kill all You're life. We got how cold is it, Ross? Oh. And then I'm supposed to say cold enough to freeze a tauntaun. Oh, oh, hey, wait, wait, try, 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 try <laughs> it again. I'm sorry. Hey, Mac, how cold is it on Hoth? I don't know, Ross. How cold is it on Hoth? Cold enough to freeze a tauntaun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That was good, huh? Uh, we're getting that was worth waiting for, we're, wasn't we're getting it? Better. At yeah. The, yeah. No. <laughs> that was beautiful. No. We hey, Mac. Let's the... talk about the base on Hoth. It's called Echo Let's, Base. It is called Echo Base. Do you think it's called Echo? Ba- I, I've always thought it was called Echo Base um, because of either one of two reasons. When I'm being super nerdy, it's because it's E Base. And echo is like usually in many phonetic languages the way you announce e. Sure, sure. Or more likely the, oh, the empire destroyed the Yavin base, but here's its echo. Oh, that's fun. I never really thought about it. I've never really given too much thought to that. Did yeah. the Yavin base have a name? I mean, it was at the what Masasi Temple. The, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's. I, I mean, as far as I know, in Star Wars, it's just referred to as the Rebels' hidden base. Yeah. That yeah. happens to be on the planet Yavin 4. Yeah. And the Darth Star decides to park on the other side of the Yavin gas giant because, I don't know, it wants to delay and make it dramatic before it destroys Yavin 4. Yes. But the that point one. is, Mon Mothma and a whole bunch of people already left, and just a couple of years later, they find a new base. And they said, wow, that jungle was really, really sweltering. Make sure you get to some place that's not that hot and sweaty. And they did their job. They Those rebel found... scouts. The rebels really have a thing for barren wastelands. They do. Well, you know what? The real estate's cheap. <laughs> I mean, hey, no one else was using it. So did they hollow out those ice tunnels? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I don't I know. I mean, that's my opinion. Is there a canonical answer? 
Um, well, so Not that I when we of. talk about Echo Base, let's okay, let's frame this up a yeah, little bit. Let's talk about it. what we know and see in the film. Then sure. we'll talk the about Empire Strikes other Back, sources. by the way, if you're not familiar. Yeah, because we start in the Anota system on the ice moon of Hoth, mm. and it is this nothing. It is just a yeah. barren wasteland, barely has any life forms. And the rebels basically find that, well, this is a great planet because no one will look for us here. Yep. And at some point, Rebel Scouts find it and they start carving out Echo Base, whether that's based out of an actual cave system or ice caves they only melted themselves mm -hmm. or probably a combination of the two. We basically end up with a couple of rooms we see in the movie. Yes. So first place. But we it see, is a lot of space. It's like, a lot. It's a very vast space. It, it makes you question how big Yavin was because the feeling is Echo Base feels a lot bigger than Yavin. And I think we're meant to think that the rebellion is growing. Growing, yeah. I mean, we definitely, at the end of the film, we see a big fleet. Oh, yeah. Right? So I think we're we're definitely meant to understand that it's growing and getting bigger. Because, I mean, the main set for this in entire base is that flight deck. Yeah. That big, you know... Uh, Where Han and Chewie are fixing the Falcon. Right, but fixing the falcon and we have room for snow speeders in there too so yeah. it's huge it's yeah. bigger than docky bay 94 this is this is an imperial it's class. got a north and a south entrance and i was going to say that's the other thing is the north and south entrance imply there might be two of these things too yeah um because you know that's what the deck officer says it's like yeah. well maybe he came down the south entrance why don't you go check yeah. deck officer deck, deck officer the way he uh, delivers those lines is so interesting. It's got a nice hysterical edge to it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why we all have such a strong attachment to Echo Base is because the Han and Leia stuff is so powerful there and so good. Well, and I think more so than Yavin and any other place other than the Death Star, we get a sense of place because we also see yeah. the, um, the like... I, command I room uh, yeah that's a good one i was gonna say the cic and i'm like well that's a military <laughs> term that's modern that's probably not what they would have called it yeah um, command room cic by way being combat information center anyway the point yeah, sure is that is yeah the command room command. where we've got those cool <laughs> like um you know we've got the transparent maps yeah. that they're using the light pens on uh -huh. and general reekin doing mean, his thing i love reekin he's really cool yeah ironically dubbed but you know he comes back in resistance reborn Really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. I know you won't get around to it for a while, so I figured I'd just tell no, you. No, that's but that's cool. Yeah. And and he is the base commander. So we at that point we go, I guess he's the leader of the rebellion right now. Little do we know by Return of the Jedi, we kind of meet the actual leader of the rebellion and start stitching up that oh well Jandadana was in charge of that base and Riken's in charge of this base. But Ma Matha's Ma Mothma really is the, the mama of this uh, yeah. whole rebellion thing. Yeah. Could you imagine if the prequels had been written first and Bail Organa had lived oh, or man. like we would have actually seen some of him in a new hope before he died. That That's a hurt. fun world. Cause like people love Jimmy Smith's. Well, I mean, I kind of love Bail in the prequels and in Rogue well, I kind of know what he looks like in, in the time from the civil war. Thanks to that wonderful book, a certain point of view. <laughs> True. Love we that. do get a great moment in that book with him. And, uh, and I knew what he was doing before, but the force Queen. unleashed isn't uh, canon anymore. So force unleashed, man. All right. Well, we'll get to fun. that in a minute. Cause that's got hot too. So we got the, this command center. We also see a bunch of tunnels, but some yep. of the places we know those tunnels connect to is we see the medical bay where yeah, with the back we, to tank for the first time, which is awesome. Right. 
it's and Luke I, in a diaper. Who doesn't love that? And one of my favorite callbacks is I do like in Rogue One when you have the evil version of it. Oh yes, uh, where Darth Vader's in a back to tank, and yes. it also looks like it sucks. Except he looks like he's closer to drowning than Luke was. Um, <laughs> Luke looked more peaceful. Yeah, yeah, for he, sure. It's a little baby in his womb. Yeah. It's, yeah. So think about how much it sucks when you get out of the shower and it's cold. Oh god. Think about that on Hoth when you've been in this Bacta. Well, I love that C-3PO calls out the fact that this base is a little rickety. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he's saying like, oh, well, you know, the the, the uh, heaters inside the princess's quarters are overworking and melting the walls. <laughs> and so, like, everything's wet in there. Yeah. And it's like this balance point of they're using the ice as insulation, just like a lot of native peoples have done mm-hmm. uh, in snowy parts of the world. Um but they can't heat it up too much or otherwise they start their walls eroding. Yeah. And one of the things I love about this set and scene is it's the igloo problem. Yeah. Um, but I, I love how much mechanical stuff is inside this natural cave. Oh, the power lines just going yeah. down every and wall, the, floor the rockway, and the walkways. Yes. It makes it feel like this cool under construction, but it also makes it like Star Wars was is great at, which is. It feels like a place. Yeah. It feels like there's people who had to put that there and that they got it mostly attached. Yeah. But, you know, they ran out of budget. The contract is not that great. Like, it's tough <laughs> doing this. Um, and one of the cut scenes that we don't see yes. um, is is what kind of leads to maybe it is connected to natural cave systems because yes. there's the beware of Wampa, like, yes. sealed off sections of the base, which means either a Wampa got in and they got stuck and they're like, door sealed. What are we going to do? Put a sign on it. I'm not going to mess with it. You know what's funny is there's one Forces of Destiny episode where Chewie gets, um, shall we say, forced to nap with a wampa. Okay. Uh, I guess would be the way I would describe it. And uh, I believe the line that Leia delivers, I think it's Leia on that one, is that Chewie was tunneling out a new tunnel, you know, working on excavating a new tunnel over at this part of the base. Right. So I right. feel like there have been some other mentions of them digging it out. Well, and and like we said, like, but I mean, we don't know. And, and technically, I mean, let's be real. In canon, there's no wampas in the base. <laughs> True. Because that is a cut scene. True. It didn't actually happen. But it's interesting to think about because that cutscene is basically C-3PO, you know, basically tricks a bunch of stormtroopers into going to a death closet. And then he leaves going like, well, I'll just seal the door. They'll be dead now. Like, you're a murderer now, robot. (laughs) Um, So I think that's probably why they cut it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Murder's not really 3PO's thing. Not generally. Except in episode two. Yeah. But that's different. There's different circumstances uh-huh. there. Um, the other thing we also see about Echo Base is we also see one of the quarters. We get to see, um, I don't know if it's Leia's or it's Luke's, but Luke's the one who's in there. It's when he's coming back from recovery and we get yes. the, the sibling kiss that confuses the heck out of Han, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which will only confuse him more later in life. Uh-huh. Um, but we uh, we kind of get to see that, like, you know, despite being an ice place, it's kind of nice. It's fairly livable. You know, it's habitable. It it feels homey. <laughs> It feels homey. You know, uh, a lot of blue light, though. Not great for the skin. Uh, that's true. If you are uh, if you have light sensitivity, this place isn't going to do anything for no. you. Now, we talked about this being a bigger, more sophisticated base, and it definitely is because there's two other main things that we see here that we have not seen in Star Wars before, okay. which is planetary defense systems. Yes. We see something that is very much implied to be like hill or mountain sized, which is the planetary ion cannon. 
Absolutely. And this is, is this the first time we hear the phrase ion cannon? I think, um, I think it probably is. Yeah. I can't think of another earlier. I mean, ion weapons exist before this. Cause that's what the Jawas use on R2. But I mean, obviously the Jawas aren't telling you, Oh, it's our ion weapon. Yeah. Like, um, I think this is maybe the first time we kind of canonize the term of these ion weapons, which is these electrical weapons that disrupt. Mm-hmm. They're like, um, electromagnetic pulse weapons they, yeah. they disrupt technology it's very awesome that cannon oh and just to see it like because it's um what do they call that a recoilless rifle where it rolls back yeah like you see it fire and the the ball doesn't move but you see the entire barrel like shut down yeah. into it and then come back out yep um and and it's obviously super powerful because it's knocking out star destroyers from a planetary mm-hmm. atmosphere away <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Sorry, I just got to thinking, is Palpatine's lightning considered an ion weapon? I don't know. We've never really seen it screw up a droid yet. (laughs) We've seen it screw up a bunch of ships, though. That's Well, there you go. (laughs) No, no, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, it does... It does seem like an ion effect because it's all their systems scrambling and they all come back, yeah. I don't know. Just food for thought. Okay. Interesting. So there are a couple of other times we see oh. Womp. Oh, go ahead. Last thing is the other yeah. planetary defense system we see is oh, we yes. see a planetary shield. Yes, because Veers has to blow it up. Yes, he has to destroy the shield generator. Mm-hmm. Because He's very while, confident. Well, it will stop any energy weapons from bombarding the planet. It doesn't stop landing craft from landing outside its atmosphere because it can't protect the entire planet. It can only protect the region around the base. Yes. Now, the question is, right, so they take out the shield, but they don't end up doing a bombardment because Vader lands right, with the snowtroopers. And we see him inside of Echo Base, which also is awesome. Yes, and also is something that could have been very different if they had used that white armor they were planning. <laughs> yes, the black against the white makes it. I does. The contrast is what's the best. And I left the fact they wanted white armor. I'm like, I'm sorry, does he need camouflage? <laughs> I don't think he's a subtle guy. <laughs> no, no, he likes to make a point. Yeah. I mean, he had those great that great white hallway scene in episode huh. 4, so. You know, now that you made me think about it, do you think that he's leading the charge and doing a the more costly, obviously from a military standpoint of invading and capturing the base as an infantry maneuver? Do you think that's because he's already on his quest to find Luke? Yes, 100. I think that's okay. I think that, yeah, I I would say 100% that's the case. Because in Last Jedi, we get to see what happens when you don't have planetary shields and have a cannon shoot at you. Yeah, when you have that juggernaut. Wait, no, what's it called? Dreadnought, not juggernaut. (laughs) Yeah, it's a star dreadnought. Uh, Yeah, okay. Very similar to the the executor. You know, there's one other great scene, and that's when the Falcon blasts out of the hangar. Oh, yeah. Right, when the snowtroopers are trying to take him out. Oh, and they're just like, they're like, hey, get back. Oh, man. Because the thing about that, wait, I take that back. That sums up that there are at least two hangar bays. Because we have the Snowspeeder one where the Rebel transports are. And we have this Falcon. And when it leaves, it goes through that fairly long hallway to get out. Yeah. There's a nice, like, there's a nice ramp to getting out of there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It looks so good. It is. I, I, I really do believe the reason why we like it so much is not just the design, but... The moments that happen there totally. are all so good. Totally. Now, there are a couple times we see Echo Base in other mediums as well. True. So let's talk about the best. Well, in my opinion, the best. Shadows of the Empire. I say the most memorable is what I would frame that as. Okay. Yeah. Shadows of the Empire fighting the Wampas that are just 
look terrible and are straight up terrifying. Yeah, if you're if you're a child of the '90s, you probably will remember Shadows of the Empire. If you you or you knew a friend who had it, you you yep. probably played it so much. It's actually available now. You can go play it in uh, on uh, Good Old Games or GOG.com. Uh, really? Yeah, they've they've can I play it on a Mac. Uh, I don't think so. I think you still need Windows, but it will run on a modern system, and okay. it looks a slightly better. Um, but the thing about it is, like, you know, it was, it's, I mean, gosh, how old is that game now? That's probably a uh, 24-year-old game. 96, right? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Jesus. So it's been around for a while. And there's a whole, the entire opening scene is you, you get to recreate the Battle of Hoth by tripping up up uh, ATATs, and then Dash Render has to get to the Outrider and escape Echo Base. Yeah. And we have some fun moments there that are, I think, like you're saying, things that will stick with me about like yeah. pseudo cannon around Echo Base. Yeah. That there's the Wampa Room from the cutscene, and you too can trick stormtroopers into getting in there and getting mauled, <laughs> and uh, they will. And famously, you can learn about uh, you know uh, the laws of nature by letting two wampas out and letting them fight it out before you engage any of them. Yep, and they will, and they will, which was mind blowing at the time. <laughs> it was, and I still love thinking about it. Now, there's one other in Star Wars video games too that I can think of. Okay, and that is in some of the DLC content for the Force Unleashed. Yes, you go back to Echo Base as the uh, Dark Side apprentice now, a Vader. And you fight Luke, and there's also some wampas you deal with. I like it because you see in that the back entrance, essentially. You know, this yeah. is not canonical, but uh, it's your it's this sort of ice field, this ice cave oh, you no. go through. No, it's canonical because that's where Luke's X-wing is. When Luke gets back to his X-wing after landing the the um, snowspeeder, it's out in the uh, open. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about the inside part. There's oh, that oh, part oh, in oh. the game where like the floor's splitting apart. It's that sort of big opening. There also wampas oh, there. Oh, oh, that's okay. it. You I'm don't sorry. see that. Sorry, in the sorry, film. sorry. I, I, okay, I got. No, I wasn't doing a good job of explaining it. You're fine. <laughs> uh, are those the other only two times we visit Echo Base in um, video game? Other than that, I would say I mean, that Battlefront slightly, has you know the the stuff on it. Yeah, there's that's... some moments that are slightly more, I guess, generic. Like, yeah, you have the Battlefront games, both Battlefront uh, 2 and also Battlefront 2. Yes. Um, By the way, yeah. in Battlefront 2, 2, 2017. <laughs> right. Uh, I think 2017, right? Uh, yeah. There, the Haas stuff is, is beautiful. Yes, it is. That that game in general, we, we may oh. give it a hard time because we're not multiplayer online gamers very much, but it's gorgeous. Uh, Dice using um, their photogrammetry technology, like scanned props, scanned models, scanned all this stuff. And that's one of the reasons that game ends up being as authentic looking as it is, is because they they really did the work to grab as much real as they could and, you know, simulate everything they could out of the movies. And they did a fantastic job. They did. It's freaking amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, other than that, I think it's all just mentions. Because, um, I mean, obviously, I think, I'm, I'm assuming like Twilight Company and stuff deals with it. Oh, you know what? Good point. There is some good stuff. Uh, part of the Twilight Company novel mm-hmm. actually takes place during the Imperials raid on the Echo Base. Oh, there you go. So it is actually briefly in there, and it's really good. One of the characters has a run-in with Vader. That's not going to go well. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so that book... Not my favorite in Star Wars canon, just because trooper stuff is not my number one go-to. Sure. Uh, but the Echo Base stuff, very, very good. Yeah, so I think it's one of the things that, like, 
it's it's in there, but I think we we've we're more out on the ice fields doing the Battle of Hoth against ATATs. That has been in video games since like eighty three, eighty four yeah. on the Atari. Like we've done a lot with that. But yeah. the actual interior of the base, I don't think um, video games and other media have done it. Because the other thing about it is like a lot of novels haven't touched on Echo Base because we we kind of see the whole battle. We kind of yeah. know it from the movie. And so, like you said, other than Twilight Company, where you just see a slightly you know, to the left view of what was going on that you already saw. Yeah. It's fairly well established territory. <laughs> I wonder if there's some stuff in Echo Base in the Star Wars comics, the current run of Canon Comics. Well, as I say, they should be getting to, because didn't the comic books just kind of click forward to like starting to tell yes. more episode five era yes. stuff? They did. They did. Yeah. And, again, and you have to imagine that Echo Base was established months, if not a year or more earlier because yes. it's, it's it's been so there. well established. Yeah, it's been there long enough to put lighting up. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> they moved all the furniture in. They're going to live here now, okay? Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's I think it's cool and I think it's um it's a very very important place and at least as far as the rebels go, the most established infrastructure we ever see from them cuz before that you have the Yavin 4 base which we've seen in Rogue One and obviously New Hope, but the kind of makes it feel like a hideout. Yeah. Echo Base feels like a military encampment. And yes. then from there, it's all the fleet. So we never really yeah. get to see never another get another base, really. Yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. And um, it's definitely a place that my imagination goes to a lot when I think about Star Wars. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, I love it. Yeah. I think I said everything I want to say. Want to talk about Scout Troopers? Let's do it. All right. Bikes have arrived at the checkpoint with the asset, waiting for confirmation to continue into town. Uh, that's a go to proceed, but I advise you to double check. The moth just touched down and already took out a squad of local troopers. Stand by. Did he just say that Gideon killed his own men? Oh, who knows? These guys like to lay down the law when they first arrive in a town, you know. You know how it is. I said, shut up. What is that thing, anyway? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Moth wants to eat it. I don't ask questions. Can I see it? Did you not just hear that Moth Gideon killed a dozen of his own troopers just to make a point? Okay. I get that point. Do you get the point? Yes, I get the point. Okay. Any update yet? That's a negative. Still waiting on confirmation. He just killed an officer for interrupting him, so this might take a while. Thank you. Standing by still. Great. Unbelievable. Hey, how long has it been since that thing moved? You just want to look at it. So what? You got to see it. Barely. I mean, I grabbed it up off the ground and I stuffed it in the sack. It's more than I got to see it. Look, I'm not taking it out of this bag until I deliver it to the moth. Fine. Okay. Stop asking. You know, you're just kicking back, sitting against your speeder, and then what happens? A killer robot shows up. And <laughs> you're not armored for this stuff. You were just supposed to look for stuff. Look at your gun. It's a pea shooter. It's just a little, it's like it's basically just a little tiny, like, derringer of a weapon. You're not meant for this. You're supposed to hang back, be far from the front lines. That's why you signed up to be a scout. 
Are scout troopers dumb? It seems like they're dumber than most, <laughs> doesn't it? So let's talk a little bit about the Imperial Scout Trooper. We see them two primary times in Star Wars canon right now. Yeah. Right? We see them on Endor, the forest moon of Endor. This is where we first, their first appearance First meet them, 1983, the return of the Jedi. Yep. And uh, Han does a nifty little trick of <laughs> tapping one on the shoulder. One of the best moments of the franchise. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, I think it's very much shown up later when he's hot wiring the doors. I like that moment better. But yeah, we yeah. talked about that at length. But again, just he, yeah. he taps it on the shoulder. He does the same thing that every kid you did that to in high school does. He looks on this shoulder that he was tapped on, then turns to go, hey. Yeah. Chases him. And then comes around the corner to a whole bunch of blasters. Yeah. And then Han kind of goes, a, goes a, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> and then Scout Trooper's going like, you know, I went to four years of military school for this. <laughs> um, yeah. And and I think that the one of the other places they show up is in The Mandalorian, the last episode yep. of The Mandalorian, which further establishes maybe they are not the brightest bulbs That's in the box. That's why I'm asking. Either that or they're like the slacker class. Like, all the, like, kind of washouts end up in the scout program. Okay, so let's talk about what a scout trooper's role is, right? They're meant to go out and be reconnaissance, be the first wave that goes out and gets information. But they wear lighter armor than normal stormtroopers. A lot of times we see them riding speeder bikes, right? Yep. Kind of the motorcycle of the Star Wars universe. But uh, they're also meant to be expert marksmen with their long-range rifle. Yeah, they generally have a short-range pistol uh, on their uh, boot, and then they have, like, often a sniper rifle. Yeah. So we've never seen one snipe, have we? Other than in Star Wars video games? Tons of Star Wars video games, and I think that's it. I don't even think... I don't know. In Rebels, maybe? Yeah, we might see it in some of the animated stuff, but I'm not even sure there. I haven't. Yeah, I don't know. The, the whole thing about it is this. Uh, okay, let's let's roll this back just maybe a smidge. So the scout troopers are meant to look cool on speeder bikes. That's what they were designed for, and everything else has been extrapolated out of like what would they make sense in the military? And they often are kind of given the role of advanced recon. So yeah. guys who do you know um, snipers who generally work alone or with a spotter. They are also the kinds of people that are just going out into the range, just going out into big open spaces and getting an idea of the land masses out mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for them to be on their sort of like motorbikes, their, you know, speeders and kind of running around with lighter armor. They've got all their equipment hanging off of their speeder bikes in these like saddlebags. Yeah. And so they move very, very light. And yes. you can see that by how much black they have on the armor, which is just the the under armor, sort of the body glove that all the stormtroopers wear. Yeah. Um, and one thing that, again, never see it in canon, but their face masks are hinged. Oh, really? Yeah. If you look at the way that the visor connects to the helmet, there's a circle there. And the reason was because in real life, they were hinged. The actors could prop them up oh okay um, and so they weren't as stifling as the other helmets but it also implies that in star wars actually i, I caught something that i'm like man the editor really wish they could have fixed that there's a moment in the mandalorian where one of them is um like flipping their head around too fast and you can kind of see it bop for a second because oh. it's not completely locked to their face because it's just held there by gravity is that in episode eight 
Yeah, it's in episode eight when those two are having that very long. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's two scout troopers at the beginning of episode eight having a very long winded conversation. We spoil things here. That's what we do. I know, but there's no reason to. Yeah, there's no extra reason. The the point is just there's two scout troopers talking, which, again, further establishes they love these, you know, um, these Nighthawk uh, speeder bikes that the military (laughs) loves. Um, And I think the other thing, like you said, I think just because of that role in military is why they in extra, you know, in Legends and EU have built up that they are the Imperial sharpshooters. I think it's just because that... When you think of an army ranger, you also think of someone who's probably pretty darn good at shooting stuff. Yeah. Um, And that's implied, maybe not as specialized or special forces, but that's what they're implied to be is the kind of um, tier one operator. They can do a lot on their own. Yeah. At the end of the day, (laughs) they are an awesome design and an awesome toy. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why a lot of us gravitated towards the bright. Yeah. Right? Like, the Scout Trooper, it's cool. You liked it because it was cool. Yeah. But they didn't do a lot of cool stuff. I mean, they weren't even that great at riding their speeder bikes. They all they, blew up. They, they, yeah, they die a lot. Yeah. Um. And, and again, puny little pistols. And But it's cool that they keep them, like, in their boot. That that seems neat. Yeah. Um, They get tricked by a shoulder tap. That doesn't make them cool. No, no. Um, They seem like they're slackers. They seem like they're always just kind of standing around their bikes waiting for things to happen. I, I agree. Uh, I agree, Mac. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. Maybe maybe yeah. they are just a slacker. And, they're and, like the Boba Fett of troopers. They just kind of suck, but we pretend they're cool. But I think what was interesting... I'm was, just kidding, no, Boba Fett fine. fans. I know you all um, like him. But it's, He's fine. I think you're right in the sense of like... in. In film, much like Captain Phasma, they're not that cool in practice, but you look at that design and go, but they have to be cool. Design is enough to make a character's existence worthwhile, and uh, especially in Star Wars. And just to throw a little bit in there, the one other thing I will say about them that I think is very interesting to me from that aspect is they're probably the most 80s design, I think, that you see in... um, the, the metaphors of the design changing. Oh, okay. How so? Well, one, a couple of the things you can kind of tell that are different about the Scout Trooper and its look and construction is, A, vacuum molding had come a long way. Like, okay. the, just the structure and shape and uniformity of the helmet of the Scout Trooper is something that probably just a couple of years earlier we wouldn't have been able to build just because of the way we did plastics. You can also see that they have these kind of like um, very Cuisinart style like kind of curved designs to their backpack. That's not really a backpack, but they have these curved module in the center of their back. Um, and I think the other thing is just the kind of the the single visor um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead of having the two separate eyes and then having that single vertical, as he puts his hand over his mouth, a single uh, vertical shaft yeah. for the mouth. Um, it just, and, and also the other thing is they also have the vents on the side. They have mm-hmm. like the little vents for, I guess, because when they're going fast on a speeder bike, like, I don't know, like like a lot of motorcycle helmets, you can vent in some of the air if it gets stuffy in your helmet. I yeah. don't know. Um, well, you got to be able to hear your spotter next to you, too, in a quiet environment. That's true. Right. I do assume we always see them in pairs, at least. So I assume it's a sniper spotter situation. It would make sense. Right. And again, in, in a two man recon team would be not unrealistic. Yeah. Um, 
And then the other thing is you see some more um, tighter designed pieces like their their uh, chest plate armor is much more of a small, tight flak vest sized piece. Yeah. Which, again, I also go from lots more money, different design aesthetics. And I, I just I don't know. Just a lot of the aesthetics around the Scout Trooper just scream to me that, you know, we wouldn't have made this in 77 and remind you that <laughs> Star Wars, the, the Return of the Jedi is in, you know, coming in in the dawn when the 70s are flipping over to the 80s finally. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. So interesting. I, and I'll not lie. I've loved their design and I and we're not alone because, like you said, whether it's the toy, you know, yep. I think everyone had a bow legged uh, scout trooper in their collection. <laughs> if you collected enough figures, you know, the one that would flip and fly off of the speeder bike. Yep. Um, it also is a design that inspired a lot of EU designs. Uh, underwater troopers like the scuba yeah. troopers were designed after them. A number, a bunch of the specialized ones yeah. used that design instead. How about the patrol trooper we see in Solo? Kind of oh, a yeah, weird the range combo. Troopers. Yeah. Well, no, no. The range troopers are on the train yeah. on Vandor. The patrol is the one on Corellia, who's on oh, the on the oh, their oh, equivalent oh. of like bicycle or uh, motorcycles. Yeah, no, they're yeah. cops. Bike cops. They're cops. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we kind of—that's yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of another variant odd variant of them in a way, um, just because you know they're on a bike, but they have more of a stormtrooper design, but the lighter chest plates. It's again interesting. a little bit more yeah. of that that flex because I mean, at the end of the day, I you know I wasn't even mentioning this. The big thing about the scout trooper is they're inspired by motorcycle gear, mm-hmm. like motorcycle racing suits and motorcycle helmets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I said, that hinge is probably there. Cause it's, I mean, there might be a motorcycle helmet inside of there when they built the original prototypes or something. <laughs> and they just, instead of the glass visor, they have this shaped visor with the, with the face mask. Yeah. Um, and we see that same idea of the face mask opening when we see the, um, uh, it's what the cadet masks that you see in rebels. It's like the first one Ezra steals. Yes. Yes. Um, which has the opening front face mask. Yeah. Um, it, it's really important because while we had had the variant already, we already, you know, the troops fandom was already off to the races by the time we had, you know, here's a stormtrooper, And according to the box, this one's not a stormtrooper. He's a sand trooper. See his orange pod one. That makes him different. <laughs> and then by empire, we had snow troopers uh, who had the, you know, the whole um, kind of veil over their mat yep. faces. And Maybe stuff like my that. favorite design, your favorite variant. I like them. Yeah, they're very, they're very cool. <laughs> ah, that's a good one ah yeah but um i think the thing about scout troopers that uh is is cool is i think whereas when you look at like a snow trooper or obviously a sand trooper you're like okay i can see the stormtrooper in there yeah the scout trooper said no no no, no. there's a bunch of different troops in this military yeah. and they don't all look like that it's yeah. still it's all white plastic steel armor with black body gloves but there's a lot of variations from there yeah. Um, and we've, we've, we've seen that evolve and go backwards and forwards. We were both talking about, uh, love in uh, fallen order that we get the Imperial flame trooper, which is backwards oh, inspired yeah. by the first order. And that's a good design. Yeah. Cause that's like a weird snow trooper. Creepy. I think I like about the snow troopers in the OT is they're creepy. Yeah. They have like that white hood type of look like where it's like, well, they're, uh, they're kind of like, veiled. They, they remind yeah. us of like. Like ninjas or dervishes or, 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 you know, kind of like, you know, the the masked, um, 
assassin. It's creepy. Yeah. Like, it is. That's the way I would describe it. It's creepy. And I think that the OT flame trooper is creepy. And yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, man. Scout troopers are fun, aren't they? They absolutely are. And one of the most important classes in Battlefront, <laughs> where they are super duper marksmen, because that's the role we gave them in Battlefront 2 as well as Battlefront 2. <laughs> You'll get a lot of miles out of that joke. I know. That's what both of those games are called. Uh, you're not wrong. And it's easy way to differentiate them by saying yeah. it's in both of them. Battlefront 2, 2005. Battlefront 2, 2017. Team. Yeah. It's not even that big of a gap. No. Not not really. But I also think it's funny because it's Battlefront 2 with like two eyes and then Battlefront 2 with a two. And yeah. It's, it's a mess. Um, but yeah, I think, okay, I think we've obviously exhausted what we could say about the Scout Trooper. Other than it's just a rad design. It is. Um, and I think we've gone a lot of places I wouldn't have expected us to go. But like, <laughs> are they slackers? Are they just the dumb ones? Um, you tell us. Are, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I would love to hear pet theories about exactly why all the Scout Troopers we talked to seem like very inconsequential, very unfocused. <laughs> um and, uh, yeah, because like you said, tap on the shoulder, the two guys talking who are doing a really stupid thing in, in Mandalore. And then last but not least, like, even the first two that we see that, like, you know, um, Han, Luke, and Leia are dealing dealing with, the one guy is like, oh, my buddy's been shot. I'm going to run away now. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get the bikes. <laughs> one of them has to survive and tell the rest of the force what's going on. I Apparently. Man, and you know what? And then, like, more show up from that. So it's like, how many do you yeah. think are out there just hanging out? Well, they're the out scouting. And I will say, they obviously must be uh, an important part, or at least the props on hand, because they also show up all throughout uh, that as, you know, his handpicked troops. There's a whole bunch of scout troopers inside there, which is weird because they look like general infantry guys. Yeah. When we see the Emperor's reception when he lands on the Death Star, there's a bunch of them yeah. as well. Like,. Apparently, that's the only armor that's arrived yet to the Death Star. <laughs> we're really underfunded. We're waiting for flame troopers. We're waiting for black hole troopers. Waiting for death troopers. <laughs> we just don't have the money. So the death troopers—they haven't shown up yet. You know, funny though, death troopers definitely get a little inspiration from the scout trooper because again, that vertical yep. shaft in the front of the yep. mouth is something that started with them. They are very scout trooper inspired. I feel like. Yeah, they're, they're other than a matte black, you know, yeah. murdered out black. They're yeah. they're kind of a combination of your classic stormtrooper. The, the and death scout. troopers, while very undefined in Rogue One, have now started popping Slowly back up. Slowly getting into, and uh, they're place. making them pretty darn cool. So I'm not going to make fun of death troopers because they've been well, ever and, since Waffle, the death trooper named Waffle. <sighs> I've been on board. Well, the thing I like about troopers is they're finally just being like, well, okay, so like you know, here's the specialized roles. What are the death troopers? I'm like, well, they're around critics, so they must be for VIPs, and then. No, that doesn't seem to be the case. Oh, wait, maybe it's the case again. We just saw one with a, around a moth. Maybe this counts. Maybe this pet theory works. Maybe it's not just we found that in the closet and it was available from the prop department. Maybe there is a reason to all of this. There's a reason, Mac. There's a reason. And if you really want to know more about this, ask the Fighting 501st because they will tell you all yeah, about Scout yeah, Troopers. Yeah, they will. Because yeah, they they'll will. know more than we ever will. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until we talk about Death Troopers... I think we'll just leave that here. I think so. All right. Well, after this, we're just going to come back and wrap this thing up. Join us. Could you imagine if Han had left Chewie down in that pit? My God, no. No, no, right? Han needed to rescue Chewie to feel fulfilled in his life. 
Well, there's another thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to rescuing, and that's shelter pets. Mm. Every shelter pet is unique. Some love a game of fetch. Others love a good snuggle on the couch. Chewy loves Robin trains. There's one thing, though, that they all have in common, and that's their all pure love. You know, right now, millions of pets are in shelters and rescues across the country waiting to be adopted. Did you know that only 44% of dogs and only 47% of cats in America come from animal shelters and rescue groups? You know what's interesting, Mac, is we adopted our two cats. And I'll tell you, these two cats, we've had them about five years now. They were about five when we adopted them. They're about 10 now. They have been the best thing. They have their own little Star Wars collars. It's great. Oh. My two cats, Peach and Daisy, also came from a shelter, and I wouldn't have it any other way. If you're thinking about getting a pet this holiday season, make sure to visit the shelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, Maddie's Fund, and the Humane Society of the United States. Let's bring this one in for a landing. Another episode of Star Wars All In in the can. You know, when Han says, let's blow this thing and go home, I think this is what he was referring to. Oh, yeah. No. What you, what you don't know is that Han, on that, has a podcasting studio. He's been waiting for a partner. And he's like, that's why he's like, kid, you should come with us. You'd be great. Because yeah. you have a great baritone voice. I think it would be wonderful and would add something. Because Chewie speaks, but only half the audience can understand yeah. it. Yeah, it's amazing how good of a job the gunning stations do for isolating sound. <laughs> when Han says, not Let's only do they this, isolate gravity, yeah. but they isolate sound as well. Yeah, they, they, I mean, hey, if it works, right? You're on a ship. You don't have that much room. You got the cape room. That's taken up. What does it say? Well, unless unless I still feel that maybe the cape room went out with the escape pod in Solo. I don't it know. could have. It could have. Where is home? You know, let's blow this thing and go home. Where's home? Well, I think for Han Solo, home is wherever his dice are. Wherever the Falcon may be. Oh, no, just even the dice. That yeah. speeder in, in Coronet City, yeah. that's his. Yeah. That was home. Until it's not. Until it's not. Fair enough. Okay. Where was home? Kira's hands for however amount of time it was between Coronet City and... Uh... Oh, there's a metaphor there. There's something deep there. Okay. Well, next time we will break it down. No, we won't. We Hans have Dice will be a future topic. We will definitely. They will. They get are to on it. the list. They are on the list. They are on the list. They are. <laughs> We're gonna get there. And We're gonna, gonna wait for Solo list. Two to happen. Hashtag make Solo Two happen. And since it's going to absolutely positively happen, Solo is going to be a TV show that gets announced this year. We will either have a Solo TV show, a Crimson Dawn TV show, or a combination of the two Solo Two TV show. I guarantee it. I'm putting the Star Wars all in stamp on it. And and my more moderate opinion on that is there is no universe in which the material that would make up a solo two does not get to us. My hope, and I am hopeful, that we will see it in some sort of filmed way. It won't just be a book or comic book. It may be, but I'm really hopeful that it's I either think TV either show. it's I'm really well, feeling it. But what I could see is I could see a TV show that's like more like a Star Wars Underground or something, or even the Mandalorian touch on some stuff that yeah. starts 
fulfilling that. Yeah. I mean, I've, wow. I just thought about like, what if the Mandalorian just like it's Kira and she's like, you know, 43. Well, I'm <laughs> not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. I want to see Kira's story continue yeah. more than any other character from solo. Well, other Mostly than because we kind of, but... we, there are blanks to fill in for a solo, like what he's still doing as like his yeah. early days with Jabba, but we can kind of fill in the blanks. Kira blips out of Star Wars at the end of that movie, and she yeah. shouldn't because she seems really interesting. God, and she was great. And there's a whole oh. tale about what Darth yeah. Maul is doing from that point in time to when you know Ezra meets him. I l- You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We got to see him get there. And I think to get there, Maul has to interact with Palpatine oh. or Vader. And, and I'm Chizor. excited about and that. And Shizor. Prince Shizor. Oh, if you give me... Just put Shadows back in canon. Just... Just drop it right in. You know, realistically, there's not much in there that would need, like, pruning. No, not at all. It would just, uh, Put Tim Zahn on that. He's probably finished his next seven Thrawn books. Well, he, yeah, I was going to say, has he said, he's already written, at this point, about to write, when this trilogy is completed, he'll write more about Thrawn than he did the first time around. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, because we had the original Thrawn trilogy, right? We had the duology. And, and then the, we had the duology. Yeah, so that's right, five. right. And then we had Choices of One. That's a Timothy Zahn book that has Mara Jade. I guess there's really no Thrawn in there, I don't think he really right? does with Thrawn. He deals with the Chiss and Outbound Flight, but that's, yeah, that's about yeah. it. That's still not Outbound Thrawn. Cool. Um, uh, I could be wrong, but let's put it this way. If not, he's written about as much, if not yeah, more. Yeah, we're on our way. About, uh, you know. More Thrawn content than ever before. That's the Disney Lucasfilm way. <laughs> you want blue people? We got them. <laughs> We're all about him. Wait till the next the next story it. about Papa Nimodia, his entire I new trilogy. I just watched that Clone Wars episode with Papa with Nimodia? Papa Nimodia. Yeah, the the maker himself. I just watched it, and I remembered when we talked about it in the opera scene episode we did. We did. Uh, uh, George Lucas's cameo. George in Star Lucas's Wars. cameo. Yeah. The only downside is he didn't, he didn't come back for that episode. Why didn't he voice it? Well, it's just you know, I just didn't really want to. Yeah, George. They they tried, and they were like, George, you have to emote. <laughs> and he was like, I don't right, know right. how. Wait, wait, I am emoting. <laughs> Can't you tell that I'm angry? I'm, I'm so, I'm so peed off right now. <laughs> I love George Lucas. I, I know. <laughs> we kid because we care. <laughs> now, now that we've, now that the world's lost Stanley, he has to become my beloved like fandom grandpa now. <laughs> yes, he'll never be as fun as Stan was. I don't think. <laughs> no, but he can go see. Well, yeah. unless he has like a mental breakdown and just starts, I don't know. I, I, he, he's fun though. He's having so much fun with his money and screwing with people. Like just like the fact that like he, uh, in, like in his, his Chicago where he met his now significant other, like he's just basically done things where he's like, where business was want to redevelop stuff. He's like, well, I'll buy that land and turn it into like cheap housing. <laughs> I'll screw with him. <laughs> like, I love that. He's great. And he's and like when uh, people were really cruel about like his free library he wanted to give them they're like oh okay well we'll just take it somewhere else i'm good <laughs> it's just he's 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 really fun to watch um, yeah he's an, he's an interesting cat yes george um, is the best thank you george eventually we're gonna have to do him as a topic too put put that on the list one day papa one Demodia day. and george lucas yes same episode double feature but uh yeah no this is fun episode a little bit short and quick uh kind of just uh got through some some good little punchy topics 
Uh, talked a lot about getting back uh, to the the heart of Star Wars. All in here with these first couple episodes of season two. Again, back to that Wikipedia on yeah. I feel lucky. Just randomly hits yeah. a topic. But don't worry, we've got some other things coming this year too. Oh, we've got some meaty stuff because. Um, Please let us know in our social media what what things are inspiring you because we're still kind of following our just own compass here, which we're pretty happy with where that's going. But like, I definitely think uh, we will be talking more about philosophy, and it's not going to be speculation as in what Star Wars going to do, but like, what does Star Wars mean right now? What are some mm-hmm. of these? Th- we're going to explore themes as topics. We're going to explore um, character arcs as topics, and so we got some pretty interesting stuff cooked up for season two and some new types of content too yes so stick around for those because while we will always have the podcast and everything will run through the podcast first it is I do s- have a couple of other plans for this year at some point yeah it, soon it, one of them soon it is the axis that revolves yeah. around this but uh yeah we'll never sacrifice this to make other stuff happen but we want to make other stuff happen we will I, i'll tell you this i'll make one promise to you mac as my co-host okay before may the 4th yeah there will be one new type of uh, project that we will have officially launched. Well, that sounds really dangerous. Well, all right, folks, we need need to close this podcast so Ross can tell me off the air what the heck this harebrained scheme is. So (laughs) thank you for joining us. It's been a great ride. And until next Wednesday, may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.